Hello everybody and welcome back to the Line of Vienna Suite podcast episode 97. My name's Will Jones, joining me tonight, the ever-present Chris Manning. Hello Chris. Uh, good evening Will, you alright mate? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. You did miss last week, but you're welcome back this week. Um, thank you very much. Also on tonight, regular James Jarvis. How are we James? Alright Will. <laughs> that, that's the summary of this podcast, podcast over. Um, <laughs> No, just joking. And also on tonight is Tom Jenkins. Hello, Tom. Hello, Will. How are you, mate? Hopefully more better than uh, most Bolton fans at this present moment. Yeah, slightly. Um, yeah, n- not much better, but yeah, we'll, we'll take that. Um, yeah, so we're just uh, doing this little podcast um, off the back of this weekend's defeat to Aston Villa. But first, we'll um, we'll go back in chronological order. Um, and we'll revisit the Rotherham game, which we just recorded a podcast to prior to that. Um, it actually went out afterwards, so apologies for that. But um, yeah, we'll just do a quick review of that first. Um, myself, Tom, and James were all still together. Um, sadly, nobody came and said hello, despite how famous we actually are. Um, but yeah, boys, what did we make of it? From what I understand, I, I do believe you did have some interaction with some deep fans. Is that not is that not true, Will? Oh well, we we, we did have the one or two. You know, I I don't think it's worth um you know publicising it, but uh, yeah, you know. You know not... how good I am at making friends, Chris. That that's what I will leave it as. <laughs> yeah, uh, I've heard the false. I've heard this, I've heard a very interesting tale about it. Sound like you all had a great yeah. afternoon. Yeah, we met someone. Let's leave it at that. Yeah, it was lovely. It's not worth the airtime though. I don't think. Um, yeah, but. So, yeah, 1-0 down, um, just after Josh McGuinness had missed a penalty, um, somewhat out of form, some of you may disagree, um, and then to save the day, Christian Deutsch came on um, and scored a, what I think everyone could agree was a, a belter, you know, it, it, it was a great finish, um, a, a point that we probably would have liked, uh, well, deserved-ish. Um, <laughs> but I think at kickoff we probably would have liked all three. Uh, would you say it's a, it's a decent point at this stage, or um, cons- considering the last two I results? Mean, considering <laughs> how how much we are struggling to get points at the moment, I think we'll take what we can get because right now we are dropping like a stone. We are a little bit, yeah. Um, I think you consider rather a decent point, even though you know a couple of other teams that we play recently have actually beaten them. Um, if you put it into perspective, the fact that Middlesbrough um, only took a point off them at home, I think it was a midweek after that game. So that sort of puts it in perspective and the fact that I think it probably was a decent point when all is said and done. But mm-hmm. I think had Josh McGuinness managed to put that penalty away, we probably would have come away with all three. You yeah. can see it just sapped away at the confidence of the lads when it was saved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I think we did okay. Um, you know, the fans were behind them and, you know, we got the point, you know, which I'm sure. Um, everyone was was pretty pleased with, um, but yeah, that that was. Really... It's funny when you see what happens into it when you give a a player like Dodge who's who's struggled in his time so far, the opportunity, the service, and being in the right position. What can actually happen? Um, and, and it's also encouraging to know that we've learned absolutely nothing from it since. Yeah, um, I mean, as you just said, Chris, that's about as positive as we can get with this podcast. I think because. Just after that Rotherham game, it all went a bit downhill because um, the start of the brut, I think, I think you could uh, describe it, um, was the Forest game the following Wednesday. Um, so it was a quite um, disappointing three 0 loss, um, and I think it was the start of a well, what is currently um, a, a bit of a toxic period for the club. Um, wouldn't everyone agree? 
to be fair, um, it hasn't been good for some time. I think I think that one just sort of brought it to a head because of the manner of the defeat, more so than anything else. Having you know come from a massive high the last time we entertained Forest, it was a very insipid performance. One of the worst performances I've seen in a while. Will be offered next to nothing, and we're completely outclassed by a side that hasn't exactly been pulling up trees recently. Mm. And the conversation about the, the the value of their players is is one thing, and I think that has got a place. But it's it's far too easy a, a, cru- a crutch to lean on when the players provide that kind of of inept, spineless performance against the team. You're right. We're we're hardly uh, ripping up any trees. I mean, you know, granted, since they played us, they've they've, they've gone on a bit of an upturn. But it was it was written in the in in the stars, I guess, on the first minute when they could have scored as their lad went clean through and, and inexplicably chose to stop and then pass back. But the die was cast, and, and I don't think we we had uh, much by way of attacking momentum in that game whatsoever. Um, and to go back to the subject of our mate Doidge, for him to to come off off the bench and score what must have been a really uplifting goal for him. You know, his first one in the championship, first one for his new club. Finally, you know, get a bit of momentum, etc. And nah, he went back on the bench. Um, it, it it made its made its point, I think, from the minute the teams were were announced before the game that we were that uh, what's it damage limitation. I think that was the best way that we could describe our approach to things. Yeah, I think the problem is is coming from the fact that I think that Doidge example is 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 a very good one in the aftermath of the Forest game where Yannick Wiltshire was hooked at half time after admittedly having a very very poor performance. Park is not able to manage his players brilliantly at the moment, which I think is where most of the criticism comes from. You know, as you say, Deutsch scores and then he's immediately dropped to the bench and didn't have much of a role at all to play in that Forest game, even when it was only 1-0 or 2-0. And so a striker on the pitch could have made all the difference. Wiltshire, the comments on Wiltshire after the game, where you know he basically lambasted him in the media for all to see, it doesn't exactly help, especially when you've got a player there who thrives on you know having an arm around his shoulder and a player who could make a big difference for us. And maybe I think Parky's now lost him for a couple of weeks by making those comments. Hmm. It's an interesting one, like like we've just touched on. Obviously, Doge probably hasn't got the game time he's deserved since his contributions at Rotherham. Um, and, you know, like you, like you both just touched on again, um, I think we've made 18 changes in the last three games, I think I read somewhere. Um, which I mean, I made a point on Twitter the other day, and it's hardly surprising given that I, I still don't think we know our best eleven, and that it's just being changed, just like as a hit and over, and just see what produces a result, and it's yet it's yet to um, to form that. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely think it'd be worth giving those some more game time because I think he's about the most natural, you know, striker we've got at the minute who's who's looking at the goal rather than you know got his back to goal. Um, well, we've, we've, down, we've only so. seen him a few. We've only seen him a few times in the last, haven't we? Really, over the course of the games, I don't think he's played ninety minutes since his debut. No. Um, but from from what I've seen on the surface of things, he strikes me as a you know a fairly. I don't, I don't mean to use the word weak in a, in a particular derogatory manner, but not not the most physical of guys. And I've been impressed by Donaldson over the last couple of games with his work rate and effort. Surely mm. the times come now where we, we we put the two together and see how they can they can work together. Yeah, it, it, it was a partnership that looked like it was doing all right against Hull. The problem was mm. the chances fell to Donaldson, and had they fallen to Dorridge, I think he would have taken at least one. Mm. Well, yeah, poss- very, very possibly, and, and Donaldson's goal record over his career perhaps suggests that uh, those misses weren't all that unexpected. But I think the the moments of of that little little glimpses of what we could possibly do have been when we've we've made that kind of attacking impetus and played two up front, um, but unfortunately. We know the manager is reluctant to do that on a, on a more permanent basis, which I think is a shame because 
it's it's not using this lad to his full potential. And what we're going to do when January comes, when we've got to lay out, you know, half a million quid or whatever it is on him, and he's, there's every chance he, he may get to that point, having played ten or fifteen games and maybe not even scored yet. Yeah, well, we've got to find goals from somewhere. But yeah, go on, James. Yeah, I, I do think the Donaldson uh, Dodge partnership is the way to go. However, you set it up, whether that's just two up front, Donaldson on on the wing to to support Dodge up front or something like that, because he was the one that set up Donaldson uh, to set up Dodge for the goal at Rotherham. It was a very well placed passer that gave Dodge all the room in the world to easily put that chance and show away his natural finishing. And like you say, I was very disappointed to see. Only only McGuinness being played up to, up top against Forest, going from two strikers at Rotherham to just one at home, which made absolutely no sense to me. Especially when it was a striker who would have suffered the most in confidence after missing a penalty that he actually didn't take too badly. It was just a really good save. Yeah, I, so, I think the the strike the strikers are like the least um, surprising, you know, r- rotation and uh, like trying to get it to work really. Um, and as much as you know, everyone's expressed the frustration that how often and um, to what extent the, the team has been changed over the last few weeks. Um, but it, I think it's just because it, we're just past the point of, you know, bearable experimentation almost um, with that front line um, because, you know, I think everyone's just a bit frustrated that it, it's yet to produce. Um, like, well, I, guess, I think, sorry, well, okay. just, uh, I, think, I think they're also a victim of that themselves because, uh, sorry, they're also fairly responsible for that themselves because in the games I've seen so far, Neither McGuinness, Doyle, or Donaldson uh, have really looked anything like mm. being being the sort of player that we need. And I don't, I don't want to bring up Alfie within the first three minutes of the conversation. But you're suggesting perhaps earlier on, Tom, that um, Doyle might have scored the chance that Donaldson missed. Well, he, he may well have done, but I, I certainly would have probably got off my seat if Alfred had gone clean through in that same role with Donaldson. I, I maybe looked on with a little bit more hope than, than expectation. So I think the players themselves have got a part to play in that. McGuinness, Doyle, and Donaldson are not. At this level, at least on, on evidence what we've seen so far, going to score the goals between the three of them to save us, and and that's what gives. Yeah, I mean, obviously, no problems with the defence, no problems with the midfield, but my problem lies with the forward. I'm not convinced by any stretch. No. The thing is, these are all strikers that we've uh, brought in this season as well, and the only one that actually has championships experience out of all of them is Donaldson, and it and it really shows by some of the movements and some of the battling he does against them. Dodge is obviously coming up from League Two, and his, tr- his finishing may actually translate to the Championship, but it's still an adjustment period. Well, uh, while McGuinness, he's never been a natural finisher from what I've seen. He does seem to be that bully up front, but again, bullying Championship defences is completely different to bullying League One defences. There's a massive ghosting class between them so far. None of them are setting up, and we can't just rely on Donaldson since he's coming to towards the end of his career at 34-35, so... Well, I was looking at his, his, his goal record earlier on as well. By comparison, it's 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 one in five. I mean, God bless him. He seems to be working hard and getting in the right positions and winning headers and playing that kind of big lump role that that we have had in the last few years. But we're at the point now where that's not. It's just not enough. It's just not enough. And with the best will in the world, all the effort that he puts in, it needs to translate to goals. It really does need to translate to goals. And it's really concerning to think that that history is not on his side. Unfortunately, it's as hard as he's working. There's nothing to suggest that that's ever going to change. It's probably no, why the Donaldson and Doyle just start playing better and getting into those attacking positions and start scoring the goals. That's the problem. It was when you look at that lineup that we had against Aston Villa, and I think someone pointed out that there was only two goals between that starting eleven. One was from Will Buckley and one was from Pavel Olkowski. 
you know, it's just ridiculous when you consider that Ostum has got numerous goals in League One, but he's not been able to take any of the chances that seem to have presented themselves, especially in that whole game. He was massively wasteful. Um, we're not expecting anything from Jason Lowe or uh, Joe Williams in front of goal. But the problem is, if you're going to have that hard-working striker, you're then relying on the midfield to chip in as well. And at the moment, they're just not doing that. No. Yeah. <clears throat> I think it's best to say that probably Donaldson and Dodge is the best way to go up front because Donaldson can lend his championship experience and his balancing thing to open up Dodge more chances because the more Dodge plays regularly, I do genuinely believe he will get better. But it, it's, like the, it's like the guys say, it's entirely dependent on this um, midfield. I don't think he knows his best midfield combination. That's been chopped and changed over the time, and we're still waiting on players to come back, like Sammy Amiobe, Stephen Ireland, and and obviously you got players like Wiltshire who dropped out the team, and players like Buckley and Noon who just are not in form. But even when they are in form, are these players good enough? I mean, you know, Jason Jason Law is it Jason? I can't remember his first name is. Yeah, Whatever Law's first name is. Uh, I've seen nothing on the on the games. I've seen him this season in the flesh and on the telly to suggest that. He's anything more than a, a, a pound shop Jay Spearing. You know, if you're going to be start get, getting players like that in, you may as well have kept the ones that we let that we let go. It's literally the fact that, that I, I can expect that he's hell of a lot cheaper. Is the reason why he's, he's signed for us because the guy I can't see the guy offering anything. No, the team. And I know we have we have people who, who are deeply deeply in love with Joe Williams, but again, yeah, the lad might have plenty of the ball, but I'm yet to see him do anything remotely adventurous or positive with it, other than. Mm-hmm. Try to play ten men with the opposition opposition midfielders. There's just a, a, a stark and a, and a concerning lack of quality from almost from one to eleven. I, I give Anik probably a pass, and Olkowski's had games where he's been fantastic, but his form of, of August and September seems like a long time ago as well. It's it really concerning. Absolutely, yeah, it's it's really concerning. I think that the, we've dropped off the edge of a cliff massively. We're no sign of, of getting it back. I mean, just a few comments on that. You know, you said about the the strike force, and I think you could. You know, potentially argued that McGuinness was Parkinson's, you know, first choice striker, given that you know he, he got off the mark quickest. Um, but again, I think it's definitely worth looking at Donaldson, even if it. I think it, the stats show that it, he's had one one shot every other game, with none on target, um, which is a bit worrying. But like you said, if the if the chances fall to does, then you know I think there's there's a chance of getting a few goals there. And like James just said, with the midfield. Um, I, d- I don't think we know, you know, any of the best combinations, you know, whether it's midfield, defence, attack. You know, I think we're really lacking. A, a, you know, I, th- I think we had a good call last year in terms of we knew roughly who was going to start, particularly towards the end of last season. Um, but yeah, we're definitely lacking that. And like you said, Chris, with Jay, you know, Jay Spearing, I'm I'll always, you know, fight Spearing for fight Spearing in, in in that argument. But um, I mean, potentially one uh, player who defies that argument is Carl Henry. You know, the fact we got rid of him and didn't bring him back. But, yeah, we've brought in the likes of, like I said, Lowe um, and, and Murphy. And yet these players aren't performing. You know, it, it just begs the question whether or not the the considerable change in summer has actually strengthened us at all. Um, you know, where, where we're actually going to get these goals from. Good, they're good players at doing the job that they've been brought in to do. Jason Lowe's been brought in to be the kind of, as Mark Ars likes to call him, the screen or breaking up a player. I think he's done that job perfectly to an adequate standard. But there's just no quality of passing going forward from any of those midfielders and if we I think we said in the chat the other day that Deutsch if we're going to compare him to anyone is sort of like a you know Poundland version of Klasnich just the person who's an out and out finisher who requires all of that service who's providing him that service from that midfield when as we've seen the best they can muster is a five yard sideways pass to each other rather than anything coming forward 
So mm-hmm. if we're going to play Deutsch, then we need someone who can pass him the ball. It says yeah. something when your midfield makes you long for fucking Mido Kamara to come back to see a, a range, a range of forward passing. I mean, good grief, it, it, it's frightening. It's absolutely frightening, and, and someone's got to change quick. And Christ, January is a long way away for us to start making changes to this squad now. Yeah, the closest player in that midfield who comes close to a forward pass is Joe Williams, because at least I see him attempting to make them, even if they don't always find the target or half the time do not find the target, but. Yeah, yeah, I don't really see Bella do anything. I just still don't know what Murphy does in midfield. And Law is clearly the screen um, without the long shot ability that Spearing could bust out every now and again. Yeah, I think the one player we're gonna we're missing and potentially looking forward to to him getting match fit is Stephen Ireland. You know, he's potentially the one who can offer that uh, that attacking threat um, because at the minute we don't really have that attacking midfielder other than Oz Toomer, who's not really seen enough of the ball. Um, but even that's a, even that's a massive punt, isn't it? Because he's 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 like a you know like Donaldson. He's 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 only here because nobody else would have him. You know, yeah. and I think if you were to say a Sammy, I thought you were going to say Sammy Amiobi there. To be honest, I think he's <laughs> the one, he's the one that we're relying on. And again, I think that's a stark indication of, of the situation in which we find ourselves because this ain't no guaranteed superstar of world football. You know this. Miobu probably only in his third or fourth season of regular first team football at 27, 28 year old. You know, we're, we're put, we're, all our eggs are in that one basket, and it's it's a damn risky. Uh, yeah, we, we find ourselves in. Yeah, it's also very risky that we might be relying on Steve Allen to be our main yeah, midfield creator because um, other than his initial form in Man City back when he was in his early twenties, and for very brief periods at Stoke City, he's barely done it wherever wherever he's gone and. It kind of reminds me of when we signed Kirkhoff last season. Yeah, you'll probably get a really class player if you can get him fit, but how often is he going to be fit? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm half hoping it will be. No Go on, Chris. We've got no, we've got no choice but sorry, mate. We've got no choice but to take a take a risk because we can't buy proven quality. The only players that we can bring in are those that nobody else wants. You know, Ken can smart on really really cleverly in his blogs about how we made you know you make an offer of peanuts to these players like Olkowski and this Croatian lad. Um, and that they only come back to us when they, they can't get a better one anywhere else. Well, I don't think that's a particularly anything to be that proud of, to be honest, that you're, you're offering people the lowest amount of money possible, and then if they come back to you, then great, because at the end of the day, you're only going to get the sort of players for the, the type of money you're offering. You know, you, you, you pay peanuts, you get monkeys, so to speak. Um, it, it just goes back, I think, to a, a real lack of drive and a lack of, of sort of affordability of the, the type of players that we need to get to where we want to be, um, and it's just it's just depressing. It's just damn depressing. Uh, I think we're massively lacking that creativity element, like we like we keep saying. That we just don't really have an answer to it at the minute. And um, like you said, I think we're we're definitely pining for Amiobi as much as people you know thought he was the weak link last season. Um, he, he's definitely you know one of our best attacking threats, um, and he's the only one who's like June said, willing to to shoot from long distance. Um, because nobody else can have a crack. Really only last season. Yeah, just can't do it properly. That's the problem that we were encountering this year. That we were seeing a guy bang them in from 30 yards for Walsall for fun for the last two, three years. And he's not been able to hit a bando with a banjo for us at the moment. Yeah. thing is with Amiobi last season was that he was lacking that consistency he can definitely bring the X factor into our play and he's, and he's shown that in plenty of games this season but the problem is he keeps getting injured so he's a, Unable to get that consistency that he even even himself admitted that he wanted to find at the start of this season. So 
but it begs the question whether he can actually find that consistency when he comes back or will we get a Sami Amiobi from last season where, yeah, he might have a Bristol-like performance or, or a Sheffield Wednesday-type performance, but he could also be completely anonymous in other games. I mean, they're, few and far, they're few and far between. They're few and far between these performances, aren't they? Sorry to uh, just to interrupt again. I mean, what he played probably 40 games last season and, and I reckon he was maybe, maybe decisive in three, four maybe. It's 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 just not not a very impressive average, I don't think, for yeah. someone that's meant to be more of our main attacking thrusts. Mm, I mean, you could argue that everyone's a bit like just not really pulling the weight, not really doing what we sort of expected of them, or you know have have a, have a history for, um, and that it's just I, I, nobody has a winning formula to it. I mean, I said it on Twitter. It's just it, it's genuinely frightening how you know nobody knows a guaranteed fix to this. There's no way out of it. We can't say oh well, we've got such such person to, to sort us out. Um, and I'm literally hoping that Stephen Allen comes in is like the Mark Davis type footballer that you know that, that we sort of need going forward. But yeah. I'm hoping he comes in like Carl Henry did last season. That coupling along with Sammy Amiobi returning from injury and kind of like invigorate us after, ironically, an Aston Villa defeat last season. I'm amazed how optimistic we're being. <laughs> we're all looking yeah, for a, for a hopefully fix. Hopefully, we can go up against Swansea and Stephen Allen and Sammy Amiobi are both running the show like they did against Sheffield Wednesday last season. Swap, obviously, <laughs> Allen for Henry. Yeah, so, so well, before that, um, we had the Hull game um, on Saturday, which was rather overshadowed by a, you know, a, a sad 24 hours for football. But. Um, yeah, the the one nil against Hull. Um, Fraser Campbell, the goal scorer, he's one that you can't leave unmarked as he at all, really. And um, you know, he made the most basic of errors and you know, the usual below average defending. Um, the led the most frustrating thing match. about that Hull City performance was that we actually did create chances and we were actually screening Hull very well. It's just that initial five minutes where we our defence just decided to completely forget about defending and we and like we were discussing earlier none of us none of our um, players being able to hit the target to save their life mm. it's just yeah well, after the initial five minutes I think the, the, the 85 that followed wasn't especially clever either in, in my opinion it was uh, it was one of those inevitable games that you see from time to time where you know full well what's uh, what the result's going to be after a very early phase uh, I don't recall us really giving the keeper that much to do yeah granted Donaldson missed that one-on-one um, but I doubt the keeper had to wash his jersey after that. It was just a, a really demoralising performance in front of a pretty apathetic crowd, I thought, up until the last sort of 20 seconds when they found, at least those sat near me in the East Lower, found the voices against the manager. Mm, yeah, it's I mean, scandalous, isn't it, when you're taking on a team that's at the bottom and you're going to be challenging with and you can't even hit the target when you've gone 1-0 down so early. You know, it's all in good creating the chances, but if you're not making the keeper work, you're not going to have any chance of scoring. It was far too similar to the Blackburn game for my liking, and you're right, Chris, it was like the script was written, you could just waiting for them to call time. Oh, you know, I was very, very... I don't know how to describe it, to be honest with you, that sort of sinking feeling that you got when the ball went in, where you just know that I've wasted the rest of my afternoon by being there for the next 85 minutes when nothing's going to change. And I don't know if that's the manager or the fact that the player's fragile confidence was completely shook by the goal. But, you know, that inevitability is just disgraceful. You need to at least prove that you can get yourself out of these kind of situations without just folding that pathetically. Otherwise, we're just going to go down and there's nothing we can do about it. No, it's like we're just sinking without a, a fix at all. And it's just, I think we'd be desperate just for anything to, to come in or anyone or it's, it's complete desperation. And, 
you know, when you're in well, a that's where, like this. That's where, it, that's where it's, it's shown so obviously, in my opinion, where the manager's making these, these seemingly random changes. It's, you know, it's like when you, you're playing a game of football manager and you're losing a ton of games in the track, you don't know what to do, so you just click, you just click on assistant, pick the team for me and see what happens. You know, there's no <laughs> obvious sort of rhyme or reason to some of these changes. It just seems to be a case of trying to find a winning formula uh, by luck or by chance and then just sticking with it. Yeah. It's just a lack of a lack of obvious direction, which is forcing us all the one way, and that's backwards, I'm afraid. It irritates me that it's a very similar situation to that which transpired at the end of last season, where we started to really struggle when we thought we got ourselves out of trouble after we beat Villa. He um, made change after change, week after week. You know, Flanagan would be in one week, Little on the next, Robinson and then Taylor. David came in for that game against Burton with no, you know, reason or why Derek suddenly appeared from time to time. It, he knows that it doesn't work. He knows that the chopping and changing is, is his downfall, but he's not learned from it, and that's the thing that I find really irritating at the moment. I don't think it's that he's not learned from it. I think that he's sort of left with no choice because he thinks that he, he can't go with the back three um, for obvious reasons, just because we're not strong enough there and we haven't got the pace. But it's, at the same time, it's just it's suicide football because then he's forced to to, to go with that, and it, it, it just doesn't work. But um, I think he's sort the of... The only thing is that back three was um, probably... Uh, when we set up that way, it was probably one of our better performances in this whole absolutely turgid run that we've had. Mm. Even though, even though it's not a very good formation for us. So what does that? Uh, we initially line up. Well, I think it made sense to line up as a back three against Hull because they played that formation so many times. I mean, we try to go back four against the back three, and you get torn to pieces because your fullback is always having to, to um, deal with um, a wing back that's pushed up. Um, the midfield is too crowded. We had John Fleck running the show in that game. I think we'd have had Jackson Irvin doing the same kind of job for Hull had we not played that formation. But um, it's just the way that you execute it and the personnel that you have. I know that Mark Little didn't play brilliantly in the week against Forest, but he's still a better wing-back option than Olkowski is. Yeah, it's... I, I just, it's one of those where you just don't know what to say, you don't know what to suggest. It, it It's... It's just completely unavoidable, and it was the same story against Villa. Like, um, you know, it, it was just one down within three, four minutes, whatever it was, and it, it was just like here we go again, you know. Um, and you look at that, and again, the stats showed that we've not been able to come back for that in the last forty games. And um, th- there's just I've exactly not seen that stat before, but yeah. Uh, yeah, we, I think we, once we've conceded the first goal, we haven't um, then won. Won that won the game um, in thirty nine attempts. Well, you can't get a, you can't get a nil nil draw, can you? If you're losing one nil, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But yeah, um, do, do you think it? What do you think um, requires the most change? Do you think it's like Parky needs to settle on a formation, whether that's a completely new formation or just something that we have played before, or do you, do you think it's just a case of he need, just needs to stop chopping and changing so regularly? He can I, don't change the side. I don't think you should change the side from Villa. I think if you're going to expect people to actually get some consistency, then you've got to play them week in, week out. I don't think it was necessarily a bad performance against Aston Villa. We had that lapse in the first um, couple of minutes where we let Grealish score. Fair enough. Abraham skinned Wheater. We know Wheater's not good on the deck when he's a pacey striker. Enough said. Their goal should never have been, the second goal should never have been given because it wasn't a free kick and Chester was offside. Good performance. I think if you change that, yeah, unless the players, even if we do okay, we're not going to get any consistency. Olkowski is probably the only person who probably needs a rest or needs changing because he was awful in that game. But other than that, I'd keep the side the same. Yeah, I agree. I, I, 
Shit, I'm sorry, I, I'm sorry, but I have to disagree that it's not only Olkowski. I've been pregnant, as you guys know. Because yeah. that entire right side just got absolutely bullied in that game. They were absolutely for who, for who, though? It, well, know, I, I, get what, I get what you're saying, but for who? Hopefully Sammy Amiobi's back. And if not, honestly, either play McGinnis or Donaldson on that right side. Because they have, they have played there before and they can do it. I just think that sends that message that we're just going to hoof it even more. I think that message is loud and clear already, to be honest, pal. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think the answer is both. That's what pisses me off because we can play better football than that. We yeah. all, all the good things that came from that Aston Villa game were when we actually tried to pass the bloody thing. He just yeah. pisses me off that we always seem to resort to that tactic when we don't need to. I get it absolutely in, in games like against Rotherham that what Route One football works because that's what you know they're. And not able, they were not able to deal with and improve with the goal that we scored. But against Aston Villa, you're just going to hoof balls up to a big striker up against James Chester the whole day, then he's not going to get much change out of him. Mm-hmm. Dalton was probably our best performer, but that doesn't mean he actually got beating in Chester at any point. Yeah, I think if anyone was to go on that right side, James, like you were suggesting, I think it would probably be McGinnis based on his work rate. But like Tom's saying, I think, it, again, it would be an excuse to just like lump it up to the, to the wings as well. Um, it's just a non-starter. Yeah, you know, the, yeah, the, the thing of... is, you say that, but it would probably retain a, a possession a lot better than Noon did because he keeps trying to beat strikers and he just can't do it anymore. He's not quick enough and he's not quick enough in possession with the ball. Not Let's to mention not his distribution isn't going anywhere. He's been our best player. He was our best player for, for quite a while in terms of performances. I mean, against Derby, he was brilliant. Against Stoke, he was probably our most attacking um, threat. I've seen. Yeah, but even Jonathan Grounds was brilliant against Derby. You can't use that as a mark for... Mm, players. Fair enough, he was good against Reading as well. Yeah, it's just... Uh, was that a good performance, though? Other than the, the other than the defensive side? Yeah, I thought so. I thought I thought, I thought we were very good against Reading. We, apart from Mark Beavers making a, a shocking attempt to try and tackle Yakumete when he rounded, rounded the keeper and didn't score for some unknown reason, I thought we were very, very good that day. And Noon had the beating of um, Tyler Blackett all, all, all game long. Mm. It's like we've almost run out of excuses out of puff, and we just don't know, you know, where to turn from it. And it's, um, it's like we well, we can't just give up, obviously. But it's, it just looks like we're a beaten, a beaten side, a beaten club almost. And it, it's, it's just it keeps falling. You know, we're in free fall, um, and you know, obviously the the only inevitable um, end to that is relegation. So. Um, not necessarily, then... though. Not necessarily. I mean, we've, there there are options available to us. I mean, like I said, January is a long way away uh, from any sort of improvement to the squad, which we, we can or we can't afford. Nobody knows apart from the big man himself. But the option is available to him. And I know it's in his, his most recent blog. He's chosen to back the guy fully. But what do you think about changing the manager? Well, this is what's been going around this week, and particularly, I think everyone's sort of got to the point where they're at the end of the tether, just with you know the inability for us to win games. And I mean, we might be going around in circles, or we might be seen to be you know siding with him more, giving it, just being optimistic about. I mean, you know, Parkinson isn't really doing himself any favors either, though. To be fair, regardless of what side of the fence you sit on, yeah, I, I, the constant chopping and changing seems to be going against. Uh, some of his philosophy, that one is find a settled side, and uh, he's obviously coming out with all these. But that's what he's trying to do, um, isn't he? But we had good performance in periods, but we don't want a good performance in periods. We want a good performance throughout the majority of the match, and it's just the whole game is the one that you've got to look at properly. Did anyone really expect us to get anything from Aston Villa? 
No. And that was actually our better performance. That's the thing. If you'd have asked me after the whole game, I'd have said it looks like he's lost those players. Mm. But after the Villa game, I would say absolutely not. Because I, th- I thought there was actual desire and um, you know the, the fighting for their manager and fighting for So, that. So do you think that's a result of what came in the whole game, though? Because why would there be desire against uh, you know a bigger a bigger team at this level than a relegation rival? And that's just three or four days apart. I don't... You know, unless you're talking about it being a direct res- response to the whole game, in which you can say, yeah, well, why is he not displaying these motivational masterclasses on a, on a more regular basis? And it's all well and good, ultimately, playing well valiantly and still coming away with football. Again, I didn't expect us to come away with anything else other than football mm-hmm. in that game. You know, it's just well, the game. But the, we're playing against the, whole, the... In the whole game, you can't, you can't legislate for, um, you know, the, the poor crosses, the you know, inability to finish chances, etc., etc. What you can legislate for is crap defending. It was crap defending. But the thing is, that's a team with such fragile confidence after being absolutely battered in the midweek by Forest, that if they're going to concede in those five minutes, it could be absolutely anyone in front of them. They're going to struggle to break them down, especially when they get into those you know positions where it's be all and end all. It's got to be a brilliant cross to actually try and save the day. The thing is, at Aston Villa, we created those chances and were, and were foiled by that brilliant block by James Chester and a good piece of goalkeeping when Donaldson would have had a tap in. And it just irritates me. I completely agree with you. I think it's ridiculous that Parkinson seemed to have motivated them more or they were more motivated for the game that actually probably, when we look back at the end of the season, won't be the thing that's cost us. But at the end of the day, if you're going to concede that that early in a home game where you've got fans baying for blood, it doesn't help to be able to be confident in the final third and create something meaningful. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, I would just rather, I'd just rather if we, we approach games where we're playing for a team similar to ourselves, and that they're, they're, they're underperforming and their confidence is fragile. So call that whole, call that Bolton Wonders, call that Aston Villa. We have such wildly different attitudes to the way the game finished because I too was not unhappy in any way whatsoever with the performance against Aston Villa. It was far more positive than the whole one. It just gets on my tits how we can we can do it in such close proximity to one another against two teams that you know in it on another day we had the chance to come away with six points, but no, we come away with that far. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it just it just it just brings into into question again for me that. The, the way that the manager can, can motivate, we know full well that in the past, when their backs are against the wall, that he's got this, this he's had this ability to to bring the team together and, and to achieve great things. But that started like a long time ago now, and it's been a while since we had that kind of, of battling, uh, you know, balls against the wall performance. And I don't, I don't class Forest in that because that was just the world's most biggest fluke performance in the history of the game ever um, last season. I, I just don't see any sign, any signs of things changing. I don't know if either you like any of you lads do. No, I think in Parkinson's defence, the only thing that you know I I have in mind is just that you know he can't walk it into the net for them, and he, yeah, he's been criticised for his team selections, but it's like, well, what else can he do but try and find a winning formula, and it's what everyone's desperate for, and he's just trying his best to do that, and in doing that, he, he's throwing himself under the bus a little bit, but it's like, well, is it worth that risk just to try and find you know a way out of this rut? But it's it, it's an unforgiving task, don't get me wrong, and it, he, he he's ended up on the on the wrong side of it, and. You know, with things like the 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 Chester goal line clearance, it's like well, like regardless of who was in charge, regardless of who was playing in what position, you know that that was never going in. You know that that result was never going to change. And I think it's just the fact that Ken tends to add you know thingy to the fire, um, and you know every time we go through one of these results, and it just you know gets everyone on on the manager's back a little bit. But um, I think you'll find he was mis- he was misquoted there. I think that's. Uh... That's your negativity that being brought into it. You've definitely misquoted. Mm. Remember, it's a media witch hunt. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. one of the retractor from now on. 
yeah, potentially I've been misquoted there, but um, yeah, it, it's just a period where nobody's got an answer, and it's just I don't know. Thing is, let's say what happens against the fans get on your back. No, that's what I will say about the whole results and the difference between that and Villa. Playing away from home, there's a little bit of respite from that kind of negativity that doesn't help when you're trying to make decisions in the final third. But again, I think most of it on uh, that whole game was directed towards the manager than anything else. But it still can't be easy to play in that environment. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, Tom, you came to the best conclusion, really, in that I, I think we should be an unchanged side from Villa just to see, you know, because that, as you say, was our best performance. And I think it's worth seeing whether that, that can, you know, rub off again against Swansea and obviously again it's not a, an easy game and it's one that we're probably expected to take nothing from but if we go into it with the enthusiasm like we went into the Villa game you know we, we tend to do this in big games and sometimes you know miraculously we, we get through it and it's just a case of you know a, a bit of a change of scenery in, in, in that you know we might, a point would be a good result for us at this stage um, you know, it's a very good point. Will be, you know. It just irritates, irritates everyone why they can't seem to pull their finger out and get this kind of in, a good performance going from one more than once in every five games or something like that. You know, the Derby game is the prime example there. You know, if we can beat a team like Derby, I think deservedly. I mean, people will, might argue with me. I mean, Chris, you might you might have been there. You might say that I'm being uber positive about it. But if we can do that, why the hell can't we beat Swansea at home? Why the hell can't we beat? Uh, Holland home, especially. Yeah, it's dead true. I mean, it's a, it's one of those things with this manager, isn't it? Ever since he's been here, it's either been feast or famine, and, and really not a great deal in between. The streaks that we go on, even the inexplicable ones, like you know, beating Villa in the snow last year, beating Derby this season, you know, it, the odd result here and there, it, it just shows what what we could possibly do. Um, and I just find that these these streaky performances, right now, we're well and well and well truly in the middle of a, one of his shit streaks. But even his first season with us, we'd go five games without a win. We'd go, you know, seven or eight games without a win. But then we'd win probably four on the spin thereafter. I mean, I don't think anyone's probably going to think we're ever going to win four on the spin in this league. But it'd be nice just to see against Swansea just some sort of follow-on from the Flick game. And yeah, I totally agree with uh, leaving the side as it is. I'd even, I don't think I'd even change Alkowski. I know he's, he's clearly um, struggling one way or the other. But I think you've got to build on that sort of continuity. I, I spoke to the lad that's expecting the game against Hull. How can any of the centre forwards expect to build any kind of relationship with one another when A, they've no idea who's playing week to week, and B, those that do play are probably not going to play the week after, no matter whether they score a goal or not. Um, just across the park, there's no opportunity to build these relationships. Looking back from the past, you know, you'd have the, the pair France and Michael Johansson on the right hand side of our midfield. They did know instinctively where each other other was. They could track the runs. They could do all sorts of things because they had time to build those relationships up and under under the park at least at this minute in time I don't see that sort of mm. continuity and it's no no doubt it's no surprise to me to see that often the players on the pitch look like strangers because no, no one ever plays two games on the spin it doesn't seem like no, I think before you know the sides started changing like at the very start of the season and the end of last season uh, Little and Amiobi form quite a good partnership and the only hope is that you know that, that is sort of revived soon and that you know perhaps if Olkowski's drop and, and Amiobi's back soon then he'll be thrown straight into the eleven. Then that's our first partnership. They're reformed, you know, and it's the only, it's the start of, you know, just something which might be a bit of influence, a bit of change. But, um, you know, the people that are calling for the manager's head at this stage, I think it's just, um, I think they're just frustrated and they don't know who to blame. And it's, it's a bit like, well, if you, if you want to get rid of him, who, who are you bringing in? Who, who's going to guarantee you a change? 
you know, who, who's, who's got um, an answer to all this. I mean, does anyone well, have any? Well, yeah, well, and that's basically like, you know, replacing the same thing with the same thing, isn't it, really? Yeah. I'm, well, not, I'm, not, I'm not sure it is. I think, you know, if you were talking about his, his, his reputation, then yeah, definitely. And, you know, there's, there's, no one's going to suggest he's going to quit and start playing like Manchester City did today. But you're looking at, on, on paper at least, that's all you can do when it comes to this sort of thing, is a manager with donkey's years of experience at this level or higher versus the guy we've got at the minute who has plenty of experience, yeah, no worries, but it's not it's not been a, one of stellar success at any point in this when he's, ever, he's been up in the Championship. And I'm not saying for one second that I'd, I'd particularly be that delighted with McCarthy. I, I don't know if I would or if I wouldn't. Um, but I just think it's, it's concerning that we're we feel like we're not going to we're not going to appoint anybody any better because who's to say we wouldn't you know who's to say he's out there I should I should think the club would still be an attractive proposition for for many a manager but you know mostly the out of work ones because Christ Ken, Ken ain't going to pay any compo at this stage is he once he's paid off parking is um yeah I just think McCarthy I don't, I don't think he, he would be a complete disaster by any stretch of the imagination it's just not not an exciting prospect is it. No, it's no. Not. I mean, to what you say that. I mean, no you, when was it? Mick McCarthy was in line, or apparently interviewed for the job. Was it when we got Lennon? I think around then, or something like that. And I would have been happy with him then. I would have been happy with um, Chris. Well, I'd be more than happy with Chris Hughes, who apparently we interviewed and then turned down in that process, which shows you, you know, the kind of rubbish that went on behind the scenes at Bolton at that time. But no, when I say Mick McCarthy it would be more of the same, would be as as you say, the style of play. Which I think would probably not entice many fans to, you know, suddenly jump back on the bandwagon because we've got a new manager. But in terms of, as you said, record and success and stability, Ipswich Town would bite your hand off to have him back now, surely. Yeah. How many times have we seen that over the years with football? It's often better the devil, you know, isn't it? Well, the the amount of Ipswich fans who are getting so sick of everyone saying, well, be careful what you wish for this, be careful what you wish for that. Who was right (laughs) is my question. Mm. You don't say a manager in the Championship for as long as he did. Without knowing some of that. I mean, for thought here, gents. I saw something on Twitter the other day. John Coleman. Who? John Coleman, who was Accrington Stanley. Do we think he'd be in the frame? I think he's just way too soon to Accrington Stanley. He he moved to Rochdale at some point in his career and just did absolutely nothing. And that's a club with more budget, uh, at at the time, better quality of players, and he just couldn't hack it. I I don't think it'd be a good appointment. Keith Hill did the same when he when he he left Rochdale after all those years of doing well, and he he was back within eighteen months. You know, there's certain managers that are they are tied to clubs like that. I'd be more inclined, and, and again to flog that that familiar dead horse. If you've not got anyone anyone available like McCarthy, like Warnock, for example, like that, then sometimes it's better it's better the devil, you know. It's better sticking with what you've got, even if what you've got isn't especially the greatest thing in the world, because. The worst thing you could do is to, is to to flip a manager over and end up in a situation where you're hiring. God knows who, you know, any, any old knobhead from down the job centre. Yeah, I've seen one name thrown around quite a bit. Carlos Carvajal from some fans. I don't like him. Not for a million years, sure. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think he would be out of our financial constraints anyway, but some I've seen plenty of people argue that he would bring the more energetic, attacking football that we'd be looking for. But, again... So he's, got um, pedig- he's got a good pedigree, hasn't he? And he's an, an exciting, a more exciting name, I would suggest. And plus, he's got he's got reasonable success at this level. So yeah, I think that I think that's an interesting one. Uh, but you know, got all the finance stuff, it's not really for uh, of any any interest of mine. But the financial side of things will probably take over, won't it? I think that's the reality of our position. We're almost speaking as if Parkinson's already out the door. 
I think it's just. Well, I think I, we, I think we, we, we talk him a lot more. But if he doesn't improve in the next few games, especially if he doesn't build off the back of uh, an actually decent performance against Villa, uh, if he doesn't build on that against Swansea, then you, you start to question whether this run's just going to last for way too long to the point where he just can't take exactly. it. Exactly. Exactly. It all comes down to the fact that decent performance or not, we still came away with zero points, and you don't get points for improved performance, do you? No, you don't. I mean, yeah, it's. Yeah, of course it all comes down to as well whether or not you know Ken wants to get rid of him but simply can't afford to do it. Yeah, potentially. Well, I, I very much doubt Parkinson, whose contract runs out end of the season, is on such a phenomenal amount of money that it would it would really to the detriment of the club. But there will be something in there. There'll be a reason why because we all know what uh, what the chairman's like. Mm, I mean, like you were saying, I didn't realise it ended in this summer. I, I honestly didn't know that that was the end of the contract. Mm, I mean, like yeah, Ken's not gonna give Ken's not gonna give a door a slam unless it's in his favour, is he? No, no, it's an interesting one. And I think Tom, like you were saying, you know, you talk, we're talking as if Pakistan's already at the door. I think we've spoken from both perspectives, and that you know, we, we've we've been optimistic about him. We've both, you know, we've considered, you know, what what if he does what? What if it? What if he gets sat? You know, um, I think we've covered both eventualities, and and it, it's a good talking point just to, you know, consider where we might be at in 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 both. Um, both, you know, eventualities, but um, yeah, it's a good topic to to discuss, I guess. And you know, with all due respect to Pakistan, you know, we're not, you know, we're not hoping that that's it. That is what's going to happen. Um, but I, th- I think we're, it we're is, it's worth. To improve, aren't we? Yeah, we yeah. I think we're like everyone else. We just want you know something to, to give, really. Um, I think so, you know a gift that does keep on giving uh, is Adam Lafondre. Uh, at Sydney, you know, one, you know, the one that got away again. Um, you know, he, he's down in Sydney, banging them in seven and seven now. I think it is six and six, maybe. Um, you know, we, I think it's just someone that we we we're you know kick, kicking ourselves now that that, that that we've let him go. Um, I, I mean, I mean, I mean. To be fair, um, I think even if he was playing regular on our side. He was given a very, very enticing offer by Sydney FC. It's a three-year contract, which at the age of 32 is going to be very hard to turn down. Um, he's probably on a bigger money contract than he's getting here. And not to mention, he would be playing um, in that well, their version of the Champions League. So he'd be facing a lot of international sides and getting very good attention overseas or there, over there in Asia. So... I don't know. I, I, well, I, you might be able to argue your case uh, even if he was playing regular for us. He might have made that move anyway. Does anyone have a conflict view on that? Nobody likes to see your girlfriend with a better-looking idea, and it's it's hard to it's hard to begrudge him, and it's it's hard to think that he wouldn't improve this team now, even still. Um, so I just I just hate to see those sort of things. <laughs> I hate to see him do well, which I mean with the greatest respect to him because he it, it, it should be doing it for us, shouldn't he? Mm, it's just sad, you know, watching it happen. Elsewhere, when and you know, I think he put on Twitter the other day. Someone had put, come home, and he said he is home. <laughs> I think that that was that was a That's quite it, heartbreaking right? moment. I don't, I don't I now. <laughs> we love you, Alfie. I promise. <laughs> but yeah, um, just trying to think of anything else that that's happened in the last couple of weeks that that are big topics other than um, one which which involves ourselves. Um, we're facing some friendly competition. Um, a, a BBC funded podcast called The Wanderer. Um, so you know, please, please don't leave. Those that are, those of you that are actually listening, please. Yeah, Jack did it made it very enticing, but you know, you've got you've got me. Chris He's no James Jarvis. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
But yeah. Um, well, I'm already on Jack Dade and McGee James, don't worry. We do. We do. <laughs> if you say so. Uh, yeah, but if, if there's no other topics, then um, we'll just touch on Twitter because earlier we did ask for your questions, um, as we have done in the last couple of episodes. Um, so we'll revert to them now. Tom, would you like to cover them? or I've, I've got them up here if you want me to read them out. I'll leave them to you where you are the host after all. Sure. Want to show your toes. No problem. I'm I've not... got a question for the end as well. I didn't know you were doing Twitter questions, but I'll, as a non-Twitterer, I'll uh, allow me to ask a question when we get to the end. No problem. Uh, so we'll go with Tommy Rothwell's first. Um, he's doing an appearance on a podcast, actually. I'll get in touch with him. Um, he has said, if you could pick one former player to two foot Ken Anderson in a 50-50 challenge, who would it be? <laughs> That's Jamie Pollard, Pollard, isn't it? <laughs> Jimmy I think Carl Henry wants to do that anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Jimmy Phillips? No comment. No, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, I know. Just being PC. Um, Matt Atherton has said, uh, seeing as there's nothing positive going on at the Uni Bowl, uh, what's everyone doing on Bonfire Night? Go on. Sorry, you go first, please. No, my interest not interesting. It's just I'm probably going to be getting on with university assignments. Nothing interesting. The lives of LOV writers. <laughs> yeah, I'm taking my eldest to watch uh, Monday Night Raw at Manchester Wrestling. There you go. Oh, I'm jealous. Tom? <sighs> Nothing at all. I'm not, I'm not a Bonfire Night fan, I must admit. I was no. working at Bonfire Night thing last night and it... Uh, yeah, everyone was like, come out and watch the fireworks. I couldn't think of anything worse, to be honest with you. Very overrated, I think, as is Halloween. Boo, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I've just lost some listeners there, Will. Thanks oh, yeah, sorry. Sorry, <laughs> um, Taylor has said, will we ever score a goal, a goal again? No. No, no, no. I'm going to say a, a convincing no. Maybe a follow-up question, who do we think will score that goal when we eventually do score again? Oh, gosh. We'll have to do another giveaway now, Tom. Um, yeah Uh, the next question is uh, from most Schofield does Stephen Island actually exist or is he some form of mythical creature I think we can ask the same question about Luke Murphy at this point Mm, we have touched on I think he's a bit of both to be honest (laughs) yeah who knows Uh, I I think it's just a question of whether he can actually get match fit you know I think we're definitely trying but um, you know he's not played for a couple yeah, of seasons definitely. I don't think so. sorry I know the question was about Ireland we are going to look really really stupid if at some point we have an injury crisis to the point that Murphy does have to come back into the fold and he suddenly starts playing well again throughout <laughs> this entire run he's just been completely endured we've realised that it is actually him that's the answer <laughs> oh, well, there we go uh, yeah but uh, and the last question other than Chris's is is Phil Parkinson the right man to take us forward as a club or would you be looking for other options another topic we have sort of touched on but anything uh, on that? Current, evidence, current evidence would suggest not to take us forward whether he's the right man to keep us up is a, is a different matter that's mm-hmm. what I was going to say I'll say tread water yes forward probably not oh we've just had another, another question from Lee Tennant um, he's just said why don't we sign Usain Bolt to play up front and his mate Gardner can, co- can come back in at left back seeing as all our other options are horse meat Lee's will be in the news all the time and therefore be more likely in the thoughts of investors I mean, Gardner would be a better left back than Jonathan Ground, so yeah, why not go for it? <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask as well, Chris. Do you not, do you not renege on your uh, decision to, to say that Anthony Robinson wouldn't be a crucial signing for us at this point, considering that Grounds was the one that we brought in instead? Uh, well, uh, given that 
the, the Wigan fans I work with seem to think that Robinson is the worst left back of all time. Um, perhaps he's not pushed on as much as we might have hoped he, he would have done, but uh, I'll I'll defer on that one. I'll, 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 yeah, I'll it's just because he's got John Ryle down his back. I'll plead the fifth. I'll take your word for it, mate. I, I was far too interested in afternoon drinking to watch that again. <laughs> Lee's actually just answered his own question, so actually I'm sure you saying as a spare thirty million knocking about, he can play every week and buy his job done. <laughs> oh yeah, speaking of buyers, uh, that reminds me, um, have we heard anything about this local consortium that might be planning to take over the club? I know, I'm not sure if it's just Ken fueling the fire for the other investors, but do you think there's any actual evidence to suggest that there might be a local consortium? I'm not sure there's any, any sort of evidence, um, but from what, what from what my pal at the club tells us, these people are, are serious so whether that means it's actually going to go anywhere this or not is another matter but I, I, couldn't, I don't know any more than that one of, one of, one of Ken's magical three mm, they don't exist um, <clears throat> what? Um, Chris did you have a question? Uh, I did I was wondering if you lads had any opinion on the, the rumours that I've certainly been hearing lately that Amiobi took himself out of contention for the Villa game, it wasn't so much that he was injured, he's just sick of being paid late and so decided he wasn't playing. I don't know if that's uh, mm. something that's been doing the rounds on the internet, but it's something mm. I, I've, I've heard over the last couple of days. Yeah, I don't I don't know if it's true. I, I've no idea if it's true or not, but mm. if it is or if it isn't, what do you boys think? I, didn't know I don't know if Danny Robert seems like that kind of guy. He always seems very, very reserved in any interview that I've ever seen him in, but... Uh, yeah, I don't know him personally, so it's uh, really hard to say. <laughs> if that is the case, I applaud the action completely. I think if that, that's the, you know the best way people say vote with your feet, and that that is a form of doing that completely. And if he's such a valued asset, then and he's not been paid on time or not been paid in full, then um, yeah, you've got to question the logic of doing that. You know, alienating one of the players who could be very very helpful in turning this poor man around. Mm, I, mean, I mean, he's certainly he's doing it a better way than Carl Henry Adam vocally publicising it on Twitter yeah. for everyone. So it's certainly everyone has their way, don't they? But I'd, I'd sooner Amiobi do something like that, which actually mm. you know doesn't air the dirty laundry as it's, it's what we're doing it now, I suppose. So it kind of defeats that purpose. But either way, it's you know a better way of doing it than airing your dirty laundry on Twitter to actually yeah. hurt the club where you are most likely to hurt them, which is not providing your services, which yeah. of course is fair enough. If you're not being paid for those services. It's true, yeah. I, I think it's definitely a, a, a possibility that that's happened. Um, but yeah, like I said, I, I'm glad that that's the way he's handled it, even if it is, or if it, if it's just because he doesn't have Twitter. <laughs> um, we'll never yeah. know. Whether there, yeah, if there is some legitimacy to it, or if it did happen, it's about. I mean, it's kind of that time because um, Ken does have a history, as we've seen, of paying players late, and you start to wonder at a point, like how many times can he continue it before someone outside has to take action against it? I mean, it's just a bit frustrating, isn't it? Again, on top of everything, you know, that the fact that he's asking us to stick by him, you know, when all this is going on in the background. Um, you know, and and then still ask us to to get twenty thousand through the through the gate every week. It's just not realistic, is it? But um, yeah, but yeah, I think, we understand Ken's not made of money. But when yeah. but when these um, kind of things come out, where where the statistics show that he is currently the highest paid chairman in Championship football, and yet he can't afford to pay his players, it's the kind of thing that comes out where it's like we just have to just question. What what's going on? And and it does fuel the rumours that Amiobi was taking a stand. Yeah, yeah. I think it's believable, isn't it? Given the evidence of what we've seen over the last two years, that 
he, he won't make anything that he doesn't feel A, is in his own best interest and B, in the interest of the club. Uh, unfortunately, I, you, you think that sometimes that's maybe not not the right approach, or at least I think that. Mm. Anyway, yeah, um, I think if anyone, if no one else has got any more topics, I think we'll, uh, we'll leave it there for this week. It's definitely been a, an interesting debate. Um, yeah, depressing debate. It is depressing, but um, yeah, a, a good oh, one. Oh, we'll have had three wins in a row. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, as we say, we've got episode number 100 approaching, so hopefully that'll be um, a little bit more positive, um, depending on, on who we get on and, and what happens with that. So stay posted for that, and obviously um, episode 98 and 99 to come before that um, and beyond. But until then... Um, would you like to plug yourselves, gentlemen? James, your Twitter, please. Um, you can follow me at Real James Jarvis. Just see whatever I feel like posting. <laughs> Fair enough, Tom. I am now in Chris's boat. Unfortunately, my Twitter is a thing of the past. So, unfortunately, I have nothing to plug. Oh, is that because you've quit, or is that because you've been suspended? <laughs> uh, neither, actually. I've taken the executive decision to not have a Twitter account that could implicate me in any way but, um, negatively when I start applying for placements at the end of this year. That's fair enough. Not that you'd admit it or anything. To Nothing hundreds of listeners. Just make a business Twitter. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, could well do. <laughs> and Chris, I know you're not on Twitter, but um, Facebook. Uh, no, I just, uh, I just recommend people people read Lightning Again this week. Leave it. Uh, good stuff. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say you can follow us all uh, on the line of NST for our usual ramblings. You can follow me if you really want to at wi1lj. Um, and if there's nothing left to say, gentlemen, uh, then this has been episode 97 of the Line of the Suite podcast. Thank you for listening. Set la vie.